Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. And this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not the same as personalized therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or to submit a poem for me to read on the podcast, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, to build our community, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. Welcome home, co-journers. I'm glad you're here for another episode, and I'm excited we have a poem submission on this week. And this poem is from An Lee. And An Lee is studying to become a Dharma teacher and also has interest in applying for counseling psychology master's programs. And so I love that integration of spirituality and psychology. An Lee's poem is entitled, I Am From. I am from the North and the South. I am from displacement many times over. I am from traumas misunderstood and denied. I am from thousands of years of colonization. I am from generations of women defying unjust rules. I am from power unclaimed. I am from root pain unexplored. I am from abuses tolerated and enabled. I am from the tropical jungles and millions of lives destroyed by millions of tons of bombs in Agent Orange. I am from generations of Vietnamese taking on giant foreign invaders. I am from survivors of violence and wars. I am from the breathtaking beauty of the Nine Dragon River. I am from the abundance of love and blessings. I am from sweet lullabies under coconut tree lines. I am from fish sauce and lotus flowers. I am from a sea of suffering, injustice, and empowerment, resilience, and strengths. And I am going to seize my power, claim my truth, love my circle, leave the toxins, and shine so bright. The truth is... I can't control where I am from, but the higher truth is I am in charge of my healing and flourishing now. I will own them all, but not be owned. I have become part of my own root system, deep, complex, and indestructible. I have arrived. I am home. Yes, Anli. Oh my goodness. I love your piece and what you shared in your email about the homecoming journey and how important and valuable uh, this process is. And so as we think about coming home to ourselves today, I want to talk about living with mental illness, coping with mental illness And this is so important because I know many of our listeners live with a range of mental health conditions, including major depression, generalized anxiety, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, 
addiction, eating disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, panic, and the list goes on. And so as we consider the various forms of mental illness and the ways in which our lives can dramatically shift, do dramatically shift, even before the official diagnosis, but also once you have a deeper understanding of your mental health condition, there are a lot of shifts that take place. And a part of that can be a denial, a frustration, a confusion, a fear of what will life look like given this reality. And so it is important for us to give ourselves permission to process, to process and fully understand and grasp our whole selves. And our whole self includes our physical and mental health conditions and illnesses. And so the first step I would say as we think about coping and living with mental illness would be acceptance. Am I in a place now where I can tell myself the truth, right? This is what we have said homecoming is all about, uh, truth-telling and then living from that place of truth. And so we have talked in prior episodes about how sometimes we're resistant to feedback that it can be hard to hear, hard to accept, hard to believe. And so I wonder, as you reflect now on your journey, where are you with accepting either your diagnosis or your mental health challenges or conditions? Are you in a place where you can openly, first of all, say it to yourself, and then two, being able to shatter shame in silence, to share it with selected others. And so this issue of radical acceptance is very important. And why do I say the word radical acceptance is it is even more challenging to accept a truth when you recognize uh, the cost of that truth, right? So we know the realities of ableism, right? We know discrimination and stigma uh, exists and that many people who live with mental illness face are confronted with biases, discrimination, stereotypes from health professionals, from family, from friends, from strangers. And so what a task it is to come to a place of self-acceptance, even as I may be experiencing levels of rejection from those around me and then from larger social structures and systems that are usually designed, created, and maintained without me in mind, right? And so that radical acceptance, it is a deep ongoing process to be able to embrace and affirm ourselves even as we are bombarded with messages that try to uh, discount, diminish our presence, our possibility, our worthiness. And so I invite you to reflect in this moment and during this upcoming week about where you are 
in your acceptance process. And if you feel like you have fully accepted, uh, to reflect on what helped you to get there. What was the journey like to move into a place of awareness? And I know for some people, when they are given a particular diagnosis, if, if that is the way your mental health journey is showing up, it is not for everyone. But if that is the way yours is showing up, that it can be a mixture of feelings, right? Sometimes people feel relief because now there is like an understanding of what this is or why life has been like this for me or why I process things differently, why I feel things differently, why I relate to people differently. So we can start to have that understanding. So for some people, it's a relief. Uh, For some people, as I named, it can be a source of grief, a source of, of mourning, time lost, of um, opportunities or relationships that uh, you missed out on because you didn't know or didn't have the supports or stability at the time. And so also for some realities, we, we recognize there can be an ongoing journey, right? So it's one thing if I am coping with something that's temporary, right? So Uh, There is a disorder called adjustment disorder, right? So if I'm adjusting to something and I feel stuck or overwhelmed, but I can think with time and with supports, you know, I can process through that and make that adjustment. Uh, And then there are others when we talk about serious mental illness, ongoing uh, mental illness, who have, have to come to terms with This is not just a bad week. It's not just a bad month. It's not just a rough year, but this is, you know, an ongoing part of my life coming to terms with uh, my mental health and, and mental illness. And so along with radical acceptance of ourselves, it's also important to build community with people who are accepting of you. And accepting of you includes acceptance of your mental illness, right? So not in denial about it, not trying to shame or blame, but fully joining you in this life journey and in this process. So they show up for you in very real ways. And that can include family and friends. It can also include those that you meet within community, places like NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, where uh, you can find peer support and also through support groups in, in other spaces to be able to recognize when someone fully sees you, when you are seen and known and heard and appreciated and accepted, recognizing the fullness of who you are, that uh, my mental illness is a part of my identity. It's not the only part of me, but it is a part. And so to have relationship with people who can embrace and appreciate uh, the challenges and the ways in which you navigate life as a result of uh, your symptoms, as a result of the ways in which uh, your mind and body and nervous system operate. And so along with self-acceptance and a community of support and acceptance, it's also important to consider treatment. That if I am actually accepting 
the reality of mental illness, then am I being open to and consistent with the best interventions for me, right? And for each person that will vary, for many of you that will include both psychotherapy and medication. So am I open to that? For some of you, it may be psychotherapy and you're not on medication. For some of you, uh, you also take psychoeducation kind of or group classes or group format. And so looking at what does your healing buffet look like? You know, what are the interventions that align with you, that nourish you, that you can be consistent with? right? So connecting in that way is so important. It also is going to be important to release comparison because often we compare ourselves to people who have not lived our lives, who do not have uh, your uh, condition or illness or diagnoses. And so it's a false comparison to say, you know, well, they completed that task in that amount of time, Well, they also don't have ADHD or they also don't have PTSD or they're also not dealing with panic attacks. So I invite you to consider the ways in which perhaps you have set yourself up for frustration and insecurity by making false comparisons of where somebody else is by this age or this point in their developmental process. But we know we don't all arrive the same and we don't all have access to the same supports and resources. And so to give ourselves grace grace and appreciation. And I would even say to think about a framework of uh, disability affirmation, right? So in other words, recognizing there are some things that I do differently and is there any gift that comes with my condition? Is there any capacity that I have, uh, any ways of approaching life that I appreciate? Now, this isn't a requirement, right? So I'm not doing the toxic positivity where you have to find the bright side, but I want to acknowledge that there are those uh, who live with mental illness who have really come to a place of affirmation, validation of seeing that I may think about things differently or I may operate at a different pace, but there's also a gift in the pace that I have for my life, that there is a, a gift that I bring in the perspective that I have that not everyone has, right? So if it aligns for you to think about the affirmation or to think about the strengths that you possess, then I invite you to do that. If that feels like a disconnect for you, then I invite you to release, right? All of these are possible coping approaches and living approaches, but you will be the expert on you, right? You get to decide what aligns and what does not align. It also is going to be important that we engage in self-care, 
right? So we may have the support of a mental health professional. We may hopefully have some people or a person who is a part of our support system or support network. It is also going to be important for you to think about what are the ways that you are caring for yourself, right? And that can be around basics like sleep and nutrition and exercise. And those can seem like very foundational and they are foundational that they help us to be able to face the day. It gives us uh, energy and perspective and a resource that it's a well, right? When I give myself rest and good nutrition, I am pouring into the well. When I get moving physically, I am pouring into the well so that when uh, the distress shows up, when the anxiety shows up, I have something in the well so I'm not operating on empty. It is also can be helpful for many to develop a process of breath work. Uh, Some people refer to that as meditation, but being able to uh, have some self-regulation that when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed, um, what are the strategies that work for me that reconnect me to home as our poet was talking about today? And so for many of us, a way to get grounded or centered centered or reconnected is by taking what we call here sacred pause, taking time to just center in on my breathing, paying attention to my body, where I might be holding tension, and if I can invite relaxation or ease into my back, if I can invite ease into my stomach, if I can invite ease even around my jawline and my fists, around my eyes and forehead. And so the muscle relaxation in breath can be an important skill as we are looking at ways we can uh, come home to ourselves. Another strategy is from uh, DBT, and that is operating in opposition to your emotions, right? So often if you learn yourself well, then you can know if I'm feeling insecure or if I'm feeling anxious or if I'm feeling depressed, that I often know that I do these things which don't serve me, right? So for example, when I'm um, feeling overwhelmed, I might isolate myself And then I find that when I isolate myself, I end up going deeper into a hole, right? So even though I feel like isolating myself, I'm going to do the opposite, right? I'm going to uh, reach out, right? I'm going to text someone. I'm going to call someone. I'm going to schedule a therapy session. I'm going to pick up the phone when this person calls. And so this requires a self-awareness. Right. What are the things that when I'm struggling that I do out of my emotions that may sabotage my process and my wholeness? And so what would be an opposite action that I could do instead? Right. We have struggles around substances or emotional eating that even though my emotions are telling me 
to go out and, you know, spend all this money on gambling, which gets me in trouble or retail therapy. I do all this shopping and then I end up in trouble financially. And so even though emotionally that's what I'm feeling pulled to do, you know, what would be an opposite activity for me to do, right? Instead of that outlet that's really going to take me uh, into a deeper hole, right? It is also really helpful to consider the necessity of self-awareness, right? You want to start to learn uh, what are your triggers. You want to learn if there are certain times of day or certain uh, parts of the year or certain parts of the week that are really challenging for you. If you know that you're going to have to see certain people or engage in certain activities, that those are stressful for you. And so then I can prepare and I'm not always taken by surprise. Right. So I invite you in this moment to reflect on uh, not only what are your supports or who are the nourishing people that you know, but what are uh, your triggers? Some people call those my awakenings. Uh, So what are the things that intensify uh, your distress, Uh, whether those are activities or people or seasons? So that emotional awareness. And then even when I am taken by surprise, do I know myself well enough that I can feel the distress, the distress building before it gets to a place that's explosive, right? So I can start to know Oh, and I can feel, you know, my stomach is starting to feel queasy, or I notice I just started sweating, or I notice my heart just started racing. So I can pay attention to that and then engage in the nourishing activities uh, that can help to ground me, right? So that self-awareness is going to be so important as you're thinking about the journey back home to yourself. And as we continue to think about that, it's going to be really helpful for us to uh, learn about advocacy, both advocating for ourselves and then who are the people and the organizations that will advocate for me, right? Because as I mentioned, you know, ableism is real, discrimination and stereotypes and biases and and all of these. And so to be able to recognize it when it shows up, whether that's in social media, whether that's on a job interview, uh, whether that's in your family, wherever it can manifest, right? And so to practice, you know, this can often help with role playing, you know, what do I want to say? In these circumstances, what feels right for me, comfortable for me when I don't want to feel silenced or powerless or hopeless, right? And so uh, this is an important part of that liberation psychology, right? That it is not just about what you need to do to nourish yourself, but also for you to be empowered in the face of discrimination, I want to also name when I mentioned the part about grieving that it is uh, important to give ourselves compassion and forgiveness for the cost, things we said or did 
resulting from or related to our mental illness. And so one of you uh, wrote to me about that reality of having lost relationships as a result of uh, things that were done connected to being mentally ill. And so I know that can be a really hard one, especially when the cost is permanent, right? Meaning that this person either doesn't want to be your friend anymore or doesn't want to date you anymore or a family member who has decided they don't want to be in relationship or communication uh, with you as a result of what you did during that, that season. And so I invite us along with recognizing the pain of it to give ourselves permission to acknowledge it, to both acknowledge what was done what we did and also acknowledge the pain of the cost because it's it's a heavy cost when people have decided you know that they're done with you right that's a that's a heavy cost and what we can do in the aftermath of that is look at what is if any lesson i can pull out of the wound right and so because i don't want to ruin a relationship in that same way in the future, what can I do if I start to see that dynamic happening? How can I handle circumstances or situations differently during that time? Was I utilizing my resources and what was going on around around me and within me so that I can be intentional in my planning going forward so I reduce the likelihood of engaging in those ways, right? And it also is going to be important if you are in therapy to talk with a therapist about specifically what happened and how you can try to uh, prevent that in the future in very concrete ways. And so for each of you, that will look differently based on what the actions or words were what the dynamic was in that particular relationship and your particular mental illness. And so I encourage you to, you know, work with a therapist around that and then be willing to give yourself permission to go forward because sometimes we spend all of our lives uh, looking back and being stuck in regret or trying to convince one specific person Uh, to give us another opportunity. And along with our acceptance of ourselves, we also have to accept other people's boundaries. And so if this person has set up a boundary, instead of me trying to convince them otherwise, what will it mean for me to accept what they have shared? And hopefully I have shared my remorse, if you are in a place uh, of remorse. And then doing my internal healing work and knowing I can open myself up to friendship or relationships going forward with my expanded wisdom and knowledge of myself, my mental illness, and of relationships or friendships. So I appreciate your presence here as we all make our journey home to ourselves. And I want you to know that each of us is worthy of homecoming. I invite your soul to tell your heart, mind, body, and spirit 
welcome home.